Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. How's everybody doing? Excellent. You survived January? Huh? You know, this year is already one twelfth over. It's crazy, isn't it? It's just time's just flying like that. Hey, it's good to be back. I was gone for two Sundays. Uh, Cindy and I took a little time off in uh, Florida. I actually preached while I was down there in Bradenton. And then last week I was in Columbus doing something. I forget now. Because I was in Columbus again yesterday doing something else. So uh, Columbus, for some reason, is really hungry right now, and uh, had a great time. We got some good churches down there, of course, Katie and Jake, and their church, uh, uh, oh, what is it, One, One City? No, Heart City, Heart City, yes. And uh, um, the church I was at with last week was Oasis Church in Westerville. If you have friends in that area, it is a great church, multi-diverse, uh, ethnic uh, group they have powerful worship and uh great pastors i've known them for years like 25 years something like that and uh and then last uh this week i was in northgate northgate's a little further north right at the harley davison exit that's how i know it uh and it's if you know people in that area have them check it out it's a great great church very powerful some catholic uh, brothers come from a nearby uh, Catholic retreat center, and they just bring the power of God. It's a pretty amazing spot. So if you're ever in that area, check it out. Or if you have friends there, let them know about it, and they're going to find some good churches down there. Open your Bibles if you could. I'm finishing off this month in a series that I started. I really, you know, we ended up, I ended up giving the first Sunday of this year just to worship, and we had a great time. It was powerful, 90 minutes of worship. I think it was on the 3rd. On the 10th, I shared uh, the vision of the church, I wasn't in, able to get in the details. I was doing it yesterday and was going to post it. And twice while I was recording, I got phone calls that interrupted because I was recording off my phone. So I am going to get that out this week. A few more details about some of the things that you may want to know about for this year. And then, uh, then it was gone. Here I am. So I'm going to go on the next piece of, of our vision as a church for 2021, even though we're one month through it. Uh, there's a great theme going through this year, and you may not realize it, but we put together a playbook for this year. It's all we know how to call it. And it's a month-by-month kind of a prophetic, I don't know how to call this, like prophetic forecasting administration thingy that we have that we're working through. And we kind of know where we want to go this year and what the Spirit of God has spoken to us. We're excited about it. We're going to be focusing on five key Sundays this year, one which was Vision Sunday, five key Sundays where you can invite people. You can invite people every week, but we're focusing on five key weeks that you can really practice inviting people, get them here. We're going to have some special things on that Sunday. Sometimes it might be a barbecue whenever we're allowed to do that kind of stuff and, or special videos or whatever it might be to really minister to the people that, are, that you're bringing. We want you to know that we will call for uh, salvation, that people will come to the Lord Jesus Christ, particularly each of those weeks. So we'll let you know ahead of time plenty. Next one is Easter. 
coming up in uh, the beginning of April. So begin to think now, who would I invite to Easter? We're working on a really fun thing that we're gonna do that day to express the power of Jesus Christ. And you have friends that will really be touched by it. So go ahead and begin to do that. So today I wanna talk a little bit about this vision that God's given us, the bigger vision, smaller vision for this year. But uh, a quote came to me when I was preparing this past week. It's been uh, orbiting in my mind for decades. I mean, it was something that my mentor, when I was in my early 20s, quoted to me. He, he's not the originator of this quote, but uh, he gave it to me, and he said, uh, he said, find out what God is doing in your generation and wholly throw yourself into it. And I throw holy out because holy is distraction. You think it's holy, H-O-L-Y. It's W-O-W-H-O-L-L-Y. So let's cut that out for a minute. It has a little better rhythm to it. It's, let's, let's, let me read it to you again. Find out what God is doing in your generation and throw yourself into it. All right, we're gonna say that now. And I want you to say it as if you're prophesying in the mirror to yourself. In fact, to make sure you do that, let's all stand together. Take a mirror out of your pocket. No, no, don't have to do that. Just stand together, all right? We're gonna confess this together. I, I, there's power in releasing words. The old saying in our charismatic Pentecostal circles is words create worlds. Words create worlds. Truly, words create your world. The world you live in right now was confessed piece by piece, portion by portion in your life. So let's just prophesy over ourselves right now. I know this is online. Don't criticize me. Don't send me emails that we shouldn't prophesy over ourselves. The Bible says encourage yourself in the Lord. Prophetic is encouragement, so we're going to do that. All right, so this is it. Remember now, it's find out what God is doing in your generation and throw yourself into it. Everybody ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Find out what God is doing in your generation and throw yourself into it. <clears throat> we're gonna do it again so it kind of gets into your head. We're gonna, we're gonna do it again and remember you're speaking to yourself right now. You're prophesying over 2021. Remember, it's find out what God is doing in your generation. Throw yourself into it. Ready? One, two, three. Find out what God is doing in your generation and throw yourself into it. All right, you may be seated. Very well, A plus. All right. So what is he doing in our generation? That's the first question. Well, you search for it. When I got this, when I was in my early 20s, I was looking passionately for what God was doing in my generation. I was. I mean, I, was, I wasn't an oddball at the time. You know, everybody was doing that. It's called the Jesus movement. And out of the Jesus movement, people were stirred. There was an anointing of the presence of God across this country. People, John Wimber used to joke and say, if you sneezed, people came to the Lord. It was just so easy to lead people to the Lord because there was the move of the Spirit of God for whatever reason, and we've studied these things for 40, 50 years. I'm sure many have studied them for hundreds of years, trying to figure out what's the little key, what is it, you know, but periodically, for whatever reason, usually because people are centering their hearts in desperation toward the Lord, God shows up powerfully in culture and creates reformations. He creates total reformings of culture and structure. That's why, as Christians right now, some people are, are, are being impacted by the fact that 
government is not the salvation for this country. I thank God for government. I love our government. I love our government. Just want to get that in case anyone, in case Google's, there's an AI, there's a robot out there somewhere. We love our government. All right, got that down. We love our government, but we realize it does not have all the answers. It has a few. You know, I won't get into it. But anyway, it has a few. So uh, what is God doing? Because what God does will transform everything else. What God does will affect things that we might disagree with. But how do you find that and how do you go after it? And then what do you do from there? That's what I want to talk about for a few minutes here as we position ourselves in 2021. And alignment, I talk about this a lot. It's kind of a default thing that I get into but alignment is so important. It's important in many things in life. I mean, if you want to get a better job at work, I can give you some advice right now. If you want to be promoted at work, you, you create new ideas and you solve problems. If you create new ideas and someone will be rejected, someone will go, yeah, you know, we, we can't do that. We, we tried that before. It doesn't work. Does it? Don't get discouraged. Keep coming up. Let God give you some ideas. Insert those. Just say, hey, boss, uh, just wanted you to know, last night I was thinking about, will you tell your boss you were thinking about work last night? It's a good thing. It's a good thing. So you say, I was thinking about work last night, and I thought, you know, hey, we could do this, and it's going to increase production. Actually, if you can create ideas that actually bring greater fruit with less effort, you're going to fast move up whatever ladder you're climbing right now. And so you, you get innovative, even if you're not a creative person, you get innovative, and you solve problems. You solve problems, you will move to the top of whatever you are. I'm telling you, it just works. Because that's the way businesses operate. They're looking for ways to be efficient and productive and produce profit. That's why you, you have a business typically for profit. You have a, you have a, a nonprofit business for nonprofit. <laughs> you, you have a, a different profit other than just your finances. You're, you want to change something or move something or whatever. That's the way American capitalism works. That's the, the, the thing that we're moving in. And by the way, all through the Old Testament, everyone in the Old Testament, even though they may not agree with the system, would situate themselves in the system in order to, in order to create maximum influence. Nehemiah did that. Nehemiah worked in a job where basically he ate and drank whatever the king ate. That was a good job. Unless someone was trying to kill the king. And then you ate first and you died and the king said, yeah, I don't think I want that. So that's being a, a uh, what was he? He was a, a cupbearer, yeah. A wine bearer, cupbearer, whatever. He, he checked out what the king was. Well, that gave him influence right to the most powerful person in the entire kingdom. And so all through the Bible, people position themselves in different ways because they, whether it's Joseph or Moses or whoever it might be, they position themselves, they come up with ideas, and in our case, we have unfair advantage. It's called the Holy Spirit. Look at Joseph. What an unfair advantage. He's in prison. He's in prison. He's been falsely accused. He's serving time. And yet in prison, he has dreams. He shares his dreams with others. They're touched by it. They're impressed by it. One of the dreams he had was about a guy that he was going to die, and sure enough, he did die. 
you know, so you know, that happens too. But uh, he, he gets these dreams, and when the king gets in a difficult situation, of all the hundreds of thousands of people in the kingdom, he says, I need someone to interpret my dream. <clears throat> Excuse me, I know somebody. Where are they? Bring them in here. Well, they're in your prison. Well, bring them in. They bring them into the prison. He interprets the dream, and in a second, in a nanosecond, he goes from being in the prison to in the palace and giving second and command charge over everything that he interpreted. That's what happened. That's what the intention of the Spirit is, is to move by the Spirit of God into a greater place. How do you position yourself to do that? Because alignment is very important. Alignment means you've got to be in the right place, looking in the right direction, and aligning everything you do in that direction. It's called focus in our world. You focus on something. Some people are so scattered, involved in so many things. I just like that. I like to be involved in many things. That's great. The jack of all trades, master of none. But, but in the business world, they're looking for masters. They're looking for people who, who've mastered something, who understand a concept. And if you have the Holy Spirit moving in your life, you have an ability to discern things that are not, uh, you have the ability to discern things that are above your pay grade. You see things that even the president of the company doesn't see. You understand things. You get wisdom that's beyond your years, wisdom that's beyond anything you know. In fact, sometimes it's a little difficult to share because they might say, how do you know this? You go, I, you know, I was just speaking in tongues at home last night. That'll go over really big. And this, this thing dropped in my heart and it's, it's otherworldly brilliant. <laughs> it's not me, trust me. I mean, you don't have to say all that, but that's what you're thinking in your mind. So you want to align to things, moving your life uh, into alignment gets you to where you want to go. I just did a training thing yesterday in Columbus about your prophetic life map, the book I wrote a year and a half ago, and I, I was just reminded of all this. I'd already created my sermon earlier in the week, but I thought, yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, if you want to get ahead in life, if you want to fulfill the dreams, don't just talk about them, but align yourself to what you believe and let your confession reflect that. So what I'm saying is it's not like this little hopeful thing. Well, maybe if I say it, it'll come about. You know, it's more than that. You speak it, but you speak it and believe it. And it's all about faith. You attach it in faith by your actions that back it up. So if you say, I'm going to move to Zambia and start an orphanage. How are you going to do that? I don't know. Just believe in God's going to do it. Well, that's great. Of course, that's great. But this divine partnership of heaven Let's see, what I preached on this a while back, the, what, what is the warp and the weft? Is that right? It may be the weft and the warp. I know. It's the warp and the weft. That's the two terms for bringing different threads together to create a beautiful scarf or whatever it might be. It's the loom, pulling it. Pull it it's like this. I can't, well, that's kind of hard to do, actually. Up, down, side, side. You get the idea. And it forms this woven thing. It's like your life being woven before, woven before the Lord. It's the effect of heaven and the work of men, uh, mankind cooperating with the effect of heaven. Downward, sideways, downward, sideways. It's loving the Lord God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. Loving your neighbors, yourself. You start producing something in God that begins to change the world that you're in. It comes through confession. It comes through action. So James 3, turn with me to James 3. I want to look at this for a few minutes. It's a, 
It's a beefy passage. And there's a lot to read here, but I won't go beyond 1130. Okay, so look at James chapter three. James chapter three, starting in verse one. And I wanna talk about the use of our mouth, our tongue, the power of what you say. And I'll have some thoughts on that. Okay, chapter three, James, verse one, it says this. My brethren and sister, my brethren and sister, (laughs) not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. We We don't talk about that verse a lot. Anything that has judgment in it, I don't like that verse, you know. But the truth is when you step up to do something that you speak, something that has greater ability to influence and change people's lives, obviously there's a greater judgment responsibility in doing that. If I'm just caring for myself, it's like when you get a family. When you get a family, you feel the weight of the family. I love families. Families are great, but there's also a responsibility attached to it. There's more mouths to feed, you know. And so practically you feel the weight of that, like I've got kids. I love my kids. I want to make sure they're they get a good education. I want to make sure they're, they've got the right friends. I just, you know, you, you just kind of brood over them through life, less brooding as they get older, but you brood over them and just make sure, hey, keeping you safe, creating some boundaries, talking to them, giving them some wisdom, whatever. It's, it's a good thing. When you become a teacher, when you become someone who speaks in a way that influences other people or yourself, there's a stricter judgment that comes upon that. So, so James, in writing this, he says, look, if you're going to be a teacher, just so you know, God's watching. <laughs> All right? So in verse where we are here, it says, if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. So he's now taking this from teaching to the power of your tongue. Obviously, tongue is a euphemism for what you speak, what you say. So it says this in verse three. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths. Uh, for about a four-year period growing up, my dad got into horses. I mean, he, we had a little nine-acre horse place over on Albion Road, North Royalton. And, and so I learned all about horses and rode them. And, and trust me, there are certain horses, absolutely you're glad there's a bit in their mouth. It's the only way you can direct them. The hope is over time you can do neck reining where you don't have a bit in their mouth and you're just able to pull the reins a little bit on their, on their neck, just a little bit, and they, they get the hint and they, they move it. It's like steering a car. It's really amazing. Or you can get on there without a horse or any kind of uh, restrictions at all and just grab onto the mane of a horse. I've done it. And if it's a good horse, uh, you, can, you can steer it and go wherever you want and have no fear of falling off. They'll take care of you, you know. So... It's, it's important, you wanna, you, you're directing, you're learning to steer. What he's saying here is that if you don't have control over your mouth, who knows where you'll end up? Because your mouth governs everything else. That bit in the mouth of a horse, horses are big. They're kind of intimidating. You walk up next to a horse if you're not used to it, you do not want a horse to step on your foot. I mean, they got big feet and they've got horseshoes on, you know, and, They come clumping up, you know. It's a little intimidating, especially for little children, you know, like, oh, it's a big thing. 
And so you, you learn to control the big body through a bit in the mouth. And James speaking under the anointing of the Lord is saying, you better learn how to govern your mouth here. Okay, it says, uh, look at verse four. Look also at ships. So he's given some illustrations. Although they are so large, again, that's referencing horse, body. It says, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. So once again, that tongue is now a rudder. And the ship is you, it's your destiny. It's who, the essence of who you are and where you're going. Your mouth can direct you where you go. Your mouth can conclude your destiny also. Your mouth can take you into places that you should not be. Your mouth can get you into circumstances that you didn't plan on getting to. And so the whole point here is James, he's saying, this is the most powerful thing in your physical body is your mouth. And so my mouth, uh, this is kind of a little side topic, but your mouth actually directs your destiny. Sometimes I get to be, I'm a whiner. Any of you whiners out there? There's three, okay, three of you. Well, you know how I feel then. Sometimes I get in a whiny mood. I actually have a prophetic gift. I actually can speak over people's lives and encourage them. But I have an anti-prophetic gift too. I can speak over people and just make them, I'm, I'm not going to do anything the rest of my life. I'm, you know, after talking to you, I'm totally discouraged. So I've got, I've got to guard my mouth. If I don't guard what I say, I can discourage someone sometimes without even realizing it. Just because I'm in a down mood today. And, and so I have to learn to go, when I'm in a down mood, I probably don't want to hang out with some people. Not for my benefit, but for theirs. Because I will influence them. Oh, Pastor Steve is in a bad mood today. Pastor Steve isn't feeling well. Pastor Steve is, is down. Stay away from him. He's toxic. You know, we're all like that, actually. Now, you can find that one friend you can say anything to and say, dude, I'm really down right now. And they'll go, oh, and they'll pray for you, and you'll be totally better. Or something like that. I mean, they'll be, you'll be able to walk around and go, oh, I'm feeling good. And when you, people like being around people that are hopeful about the lives and about their future. And so the power of the tongue is there to actually direct your destiny when I speak and say, God's going to use me in powerful ways. How's he going to do it? I don't know, but I'm, I'm aligning myself to it. I'm, doing, I'm getting the skill sets. I'm doing everything in the temporal realm to get myself together so the Lord has a big toolbox to draw from. And that is very scriptural to do that. And so in your first 30 years, you're a acquiring and getting all these credentials and certifications and all those kinds of things because ultimately it, 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 business world tells us now that in your life you will experience, it used to be you'd have one career and you'd be in it 30 to 40 years and you retire with a little pension or whatever, you know. Uh, it's not like that anymore. There's some places like that, but not many. Now they say you'll have seven different major career jobs in your lifetime. Seven. So you're gonna be navigating this ship's going somewhere and he's going through some narrows and it's going to round some bends. You've got to know how to navigate this. And the best thing you can do is confess where you want to go. So you speak to a preferred place. When you do that, you're releasing a power that communicates to your entire body and your feet, by the way, need to go where your mouth goes. That's really deep. Your hands need to go where your mouth's going to go. You speak to the destiny 
They say that your brain somehow knows that if you speak negative, there's certain vibe that is sent through your body. I'm not a scientist, so I can't really talk about this, but there's scientific proof. A certain vibe is sent through your body to say, gear down, man, things are bad, it's difficult, when you may just even just be having a bad moment. But when you speak, even when you laugh, did you know when you laugh, it says communication to your whole body, like, hey, we're, I think we're doing okay. We're laughing. And so joy does good, like medicine, the scripture says. So you need a little medicine, you're feeling a little down. You gotta get some joy in your heart. And sometimes I love being in Asian countries. They have this practice in Asian countries where they just laugh. They they don't feel like laughing, don't wanna do, but they know that laughter creates laughter. And so I was actually walking through a Japanese park one day and I looked over and there's all these people in the field and they're standing in front of a coach or an instructor and he says, he says something in Japanese. I think he was saying like it's time to laugh or whatever. And all of a sudden they go, oh, and they look around at one another. And then what happens is you're, you don't need to fake it anymore. It stirs something in you and, you, and your body says, we're laughing. So let's send some laughter up, you know? And then they start laughing. It's actually hard to stop it, you know? It changes mood. You go, that's kind of weird. No, it's a biblical principle. Your tongue, what you say, what you do will govern everything toward your destiny. You can speak your, you can talk your way out of a bad situation. Cindy, it's really quiet. Start praying. Okay, it says uh, they're turned by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot, that's you, by the way, say, I'm the pilot. Okay, good, glad you did that. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. And then it shifts, he shifts the metaphor here. Now we're not a rudder, your tongue is not a rudder anymore. It's not a bit, you know, it is controlling what happens to your whole body. But look here, it says, see how great a forest a little fire kindles. Mm, Now your tongue is a fire. It says in verse six, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Now, if I heard that, I'd say, well, that's, you know, I mean, it's not that bad, is it? Like, I know it's bad, it's difficult to say bad things and it can hurt your life, but a world of iniquity? This is how heaven sees it through the, the writer James. He says, it's a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. Let me just tell you a little side thing here. I gotta hurry. But, but you, can, you can talk yourself into sickness. Not all sickness is because of that. But you can actually get yourself down. You can get with a friend who's down, talk with them, and within minutes you're down too. And then the two of you were, you know, one will put 1,000 to flight, two will put 10,000 to flight. It works both ways. You can cause a whole multitude to get discouraged. You can cause a nation to get discouraged by just getting on some kind of social media or television or what it, be, what it might be and saying, I'm feeling that the economy is not gonna do well over the next six months. People get fear, they get all upset, what we're gonna do, and it becomes a self-fulfilled prophecy. Everyone pulls their money out of the stock market or whatever they're doing, whatever they're investing. I gotta hold onto my money. I gotta hold onto my money. And then the, the, the market skyrockets. You're like, well, what happened? I'll tell you, someone in there was confessing something good. Someone in there was, was advancing forward with hope in their lives. So it sets the course of nature. It defiles the whole body and sets the fire on fire the course of nature. Literally in the Greek, that whole thing, course or your destination. It sets your moral axis. Your, this is 
This is the Greek word there. Way of life and course. In other words, what you speak determines your destination and it determines your way of life. Now, I know we preach on this periodically, and I wonder in myself, why don't I get this? <laughs> why don't I understand? Because we are in a culture right now, God bless its heart. We're in a culture right now that is judgmental. We critique everything. It's like, well, that taco I had the other day, the meat was a little bit dry in it, you know. I'm going to give them a three, three stars. That's it. I said it was Taco Bell. Oh, you knew what you were buying. Well, I get that taco the other day, and it's, uh, I'm just going to pick on tacos for a minute. Taco the other day, and it was, uh, it was like a thousand calories for one taco. Well, you, you're at Chipotle, right? Yeah. Love it. All 3,000 calories in there, you know. So we're, we're everywhere we go, we got, you know, we're just kind of in that mode now, you know. How was the service? I was like a three, 3.5, you know. Did you leave a tip? Yeah, I mean, not a full tip. I mean, I just didn't feel we connected, you know, when they came to the table, you know. My glass had a little spot on it. I mean, we're like connoisseurs at Taco Bell. I mean, everything. It's, like, it's a little chilly in here. It's a little warm in here. I don't feel right. Somehow the thing's blowing on my hair. What's going on? You need to turn, get that system turned. I mean, everything irritates us all around, you know. You get in the car, it doesn't kind of feel right. I need to feel right. Let me show you this one. No, this one's worse. I mean, I wouldn't want to be a car salesman right now. I wouldn't want to sell anything right now. I mean, because we're so, we just, I don't know, and we're looking for the deal. And what happens is that gets into our very spirit and our very mind. I mean, we can come to church and go, how was, how was church Sunday? Yeah, it was all right. It was all right. Well, what was it like? Well, we, well, we worshiped. Well, they did that one song I really don't like. You know, so I just tuned out. I thought, you know what? If they're going to do this every week, I'm going to miss the next few weeks. I'll tune in online. That way I can kind of mute and unmute. But if I'm sitting there, I can't mute, unmute. It's all unmuted. And then the pastor, I don't know, you know, he wore a weird t-shirt. I like a pastor that gets a collared shirt on. So that's why I had this, because I knew you were thinking that. <laughs> that. A pastor has a collared shirt on. He preaches better when he has a collared shirt on, you know. And I don't like the water bottle thing. Like these are the way people get strict. Why don't they have a little thing on the side you can put your water bottle in right there? Bill Johnson has one I saw the other day. Why don't we have one of those? You can put it in there. What do you preach on? You know, I don't even remember but it was a little chilly in there. I mean, I'd give it on a one to 10, you know. I mean, it was above five. I love him, so it was above five. 5.5, maybe, something like that. I mean, we're like that all the time. How's your, how's your marriage doing? Well, you mean today? <laughs> you mean the whole week? The whole marriage as a whole? Never mind. Uh, I don't want to know, you know. You know, and relationally with one another, I mean, it's just... What we speak to one another, we use, we use these things like never. You know, you never do this. You're never going to change. You're, it's always this way, these extremes, you know. And when you confess those things, it just starts, I don't know, it's like building a wall. 
You get, you got bricks in your hands, which are your words. We don't control our tongues, so we go brick there, brick there, brick there, and all of a sudden one day you wake up and there's, there's no connection at all, and you're like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what happened. I can tell you what happened. Somewhere, someone built a wall here, and you build the wall with your words, typically, and actions, but, but actually your words affect actions and then there's this blockade. We see it on, you know, like in staff, if you have a uh, uh, business or something, you can, you know, one person can bring havoc into a, stack, a staff if they're, if they're displeased, unhappy, in a bad mood. I mean, I try to hire people when, when I'm included in the hiring process for whatever we're looking at. I try to hire people that generally, they can be quiet, they can be outgoing or whatever, but I like people to be happy. Because when you're happy, you tend to confess things more that are good. You know, you run up to a difficult situation, and instead of being the critique that I can see what's wrong, I feel like saying Penelope. I had to pick a name I don't think anyone has. (laughs) Penelope. Everyone can see what's wrong. I mean, Americans are excellent at finding wrong stuff. I mean, they go in and they buy a vase, you know, a vase, a vase, and they hold it up, and they go, oh, it's, it's got this little, look over here, it's got this little finite line right there on the side, like, can you give me another $5 off because of that? Sure. Take another $5 off. You know, we, because we, we understand things. We've seen, you know, uh, Antique Roadshow, we've seen uh, uh American pickers, we've—I uh, I, understand—I know how to value things, and so we are constantly. You know what? It creates despair. It breaks relationships. It hurts our life. I tell you, it is a demonic attack upon our culture, and right now, that's through mask and unmaskers. That's through Republicans and Democrats, men and women, millennials and baby boomers, and I can't even think of Mark Strange, but they're all—they're all there, you know. There's always a reason to disagree in our culture right now. And the only way that's going to change is for love to override it with a mouth that speaks good in every situation, even when you don't agree. And because of love being there, we're allowed to disagree. What a novel idea. Wouldn't it be fun to be able to disagree at times? Yeah, I, you know, I appreciate what you said. I and mean, you asked me what I thought. I, I mean, I don't agree. But I, I love you. Right. Wait, wait. If you love me, you would agree. Uh, well, no, I love you. I just don't agree with what you said. I mean, I just, actually, there's many different opinions about what we're talking about, and mine's a little bit different. But I, I love you. I know people that have that opinion. I actually hang out with them. We have good relationship. We could do it with you too. No, 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 no. Until you see the light. And agree with what I know, because I understand these things. There's this like elitism, spirit of the overlord, bossy thing that's out there. It's not God. It's not God. Well, I'm not going to say that. All right, let's go. Back here, it says, so verse 7. Every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has to be tamed by mankind. Uh, James is doubling down saying, you gotta take care of this. You gotta get a hold of your mouth. You're gonna destroy your marriage. 
You gotta get a hold of your mouth and you'll get fired and you'll just go to the next place and they'll say, well, they just didn't understand my potential. And they, you know, I offered a suggestion and they, uh, they fired me. You know? How many of you know when you hear most of these stories, you are not hearing the whole story? <laughs> In fact, there's many stories. My story, your story, and the truth. <laughs> it's a third story. It's, it's all perception and understanding and you probably said some things that whittled down your currency in that organization and it got you booted out. Not that everyone gets booted out, got out for that situation. I want to make that very clear. But I see people sabotaging their destinies all the time. Well, I just left. I just quit. I didn't handle it anymore. I want to find a group of people where everyone agrees with me. Good luck with that. If you're going to live out there in that world... You have to live among people that some don't even, they, they disagree with you. And some of them even despise you. But you learn in the midst of that to speak something good. You learn to, Cindy is really good at this. Me, not so much. But we, we speak things to people that we have difficulty with, not in order to convince them of something, but in order to love them into a place of acceptance so that they can receive from you. She does that. You know, she does that. She's, she's gifted at that. And those of us who are not gifted at that, we have to study that and we have to learn that. How do I control my tongue? That's just the way I am. I'm Irish. I'm only saying that because I'm Irish. I'm Irish. It's just what we do. I want to be honest. I hear that all the time now. I got I to be, be true to myself. What does that mean? Does that mean you're going to brutalize me with your tongue? Well, yes, if I have to. I'm speaking the truth. Bible says you need to speak the truth in love, it says. Speak the truth in love. Well, this is love. I know it's harsh, but sometimes you have to do that when you love someone. Where do we come up with these things? It's really quiet here, and I'm not sure why. But anyway, let's move on. It says this. I'm almost done. So you're close. You can go home. You can forget about it. Verse, <laughs> verse 9 says this. With it, that's with the tongue now, with it we bless our God and Father. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Ooh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the presence of God. You know, it's amazing. But you walk out here and like, what? Did you hear what that waitress said to me? I'm going to talk to the manager about that. I mean, we're on everything. We're hot about it, you know. But put us into a church context and it's like, whoa. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It says, we bless God, our Father and God, and with the same mouth we curse men. Whoa. The same mouth that blesses the Father curses men. And James doubled down here and he says, who have been made in the similitude of God. Did you, have you used that word this week at all? Similitude. It's one of my favorite words right now, at least for the past 24 hours. It said, made in the similitude. Do you know what that means, right? Similarity, similitude, in the likeness of God. So James is saying, how can you love God and curse God's friend? Like, is that smart to do? You know, people criticize the church all the time. I, I jokingly say it. When I hear, it doesn't matter if it's pastors or people or whatever, I go, hey, you shouldn't talk about Jesus' girlfriend that way. And they're always like, what, what are you talking about? I said, he's going to marry the church. Well, not the organizational church. He's marrying it all. 
He's, he's, he's creating her a bride without spot or wrinkle. It's going to take time. It's taken a couple thousand years already. It's going to take time. So be careful because you're messing with his girlfriend. Like, I don't know, when I was dating Cindy, if you came up to me and said, I don't know, Cindy, have you met Cindy yet? Like, you know, she's I mean, I'd give him the five-fold ministry. But no violence, no violence. I'm just joking. All right. All right, so we bless the Lord, we curse men, and have been made in the similitude of God out of the same mouth. Think of this. It's like James is almost exasperated. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Well, that's a little direct. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? No. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapefruit vine bear figs? No. Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh? No. Who is wise and understanding among you? Me. Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom, that so-called wisdom, does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. You know, I, I remember way back when I was being trained, you, know, you get ticked off about something, you, you start making accusations, you know. So, I don't know. And then someone once said to me, oh, are you, I mean, you're accusing them of that? Well, they said, well, you know who's the accuser, the accuser of the brethren? Uh, yeah, it's the devil. Do you want to be on his side? Oh, no, 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 no. Quickly change your story. But we realize when you slip into accusation, dissatisfaction, judgment. You are, you are moving close to the camp of the enemy, the devil himself. In a marriage, in a business, in a neighborhood, anywhere that you associate with people. And so let's read on. I'm almost done. I think it's the third time I said that. Verse 16. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. Wow. But the wisdom that is from above, listen to this, he doubles down, triple down, quadruple down. Wisdom from above, what is it? How do I relate with one another, with other people, with people in the church that I love, people in my family, my neighborhood and all that? He says this, he says, the wisdom from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Are you seeing that in our culture right now? No, no, nowhere. Among Christians, there should be a willingness to yield. It doesn't mean you don't agree or that you're, you, you have to be heard in what you're saying. It means you come to a point where you say, this is not going to win the day right now. And so you know what? I will yield to this out of love, out of mercy, out of grace. Willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. 
oh, I wish I could preach another half hour. There's so much. So maybe I'll bring this in next week. But I, I really feel that we are called. Someone asked me the other day, they said, like, what's the, the thing, the Bethel thing? Like, what, what, what's like your currency? I mean, what are you about? You know, like, if you sum it up in just a few words, what, what is it really about? And, you know, I didn't really have to think about it. It came to me right away. I didn't know if it was the right answer. But hey, I've been here 25 years, so it's close. And I said, I said well, we're, we're people that communicate what we believe God is saying to us. We're prophetic. Everywhere that comes here to our conferences, they go, wow, the worship, the prophetic, the people just, we trained up people to, to discern things and speak the goodness of God. You know, a year of favor and a day of judgment. That's the ratio of heaven. In other words, he's 365 favor, one judgment. There is a judgment, but that judgment would be given in love. 365, that means 365 out of 366 times, you need to favor love in a situation and not judgment. So you favor them, you love them, you give them mercy because that's what believers do. We wanna be known here as a church that has a voice and that voice is a voice that edifies, builds, encourages, consoles, strengthens and propels people into their future in God. Does it mean we'll never confront them? No, but when we do confront situations, you'll never know you were confronted because love comes in and begins to build the foundation. I love what they used to say when I was growing up. They said, if you're gonna cross a bridge to deal with a situation, make sure the artillery you're taking, that the bridge you have is, is able to handle the artillery you're taking. Whether it be a BB gun or, or a cannon. You know, I gotta talk to this person about something. What, what is the entry point you have? It should be trust. It should be relationship. And even though they may resist you in some way, you still yield to them in love. And you say, this is what you, I, I really believe you're, the direction you need to go, it's gonna help you out in this scenario. Not what, or what do you think? What, what is going on in your life? What do you think is gonna get you out of this? I mean, you learn how to communicate. Cindy and I have been to marriage counseling before. You know what marriage counseling, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons for marriage counseling. What we go for is when we get into a transition in life that is challenging, we go in order to acquire new language. You got to learn how to speak different now. I mean, when kids grew up, moved out, you got an empty house, you know, you got, it, you're now, it's a different form of communication. As the kids get older and they have their own families, they have their own jobs and everything, and they're seeking counsel or whatever, you learn to communicate in a different way. I do not talk to them now the way I did when they were two or 10. There's a shift. We have to get training by the Holy Spirit, let's all stand together if we can. <laughs> I just got the seal of approval from my wife. That helps. I feel so much better now. <laughs> Lord, Lord Jesus. What is the activation on this? Jay's going to come. Is it Jay? Jay's going to come over here in a minute and call people to Jesus. This is a great moment to give your life to Jesus Christ. But right now, corporately, as a church, I feel we need to, it's kind of, sounds weird, but we need to offer our tongues to the Lord. If it is the key thing in our life, in our spiritual life, it's gonna take us and direct us and keep us in harmony and all those kinds of things. And it will also speak out. This is not a timid tongue. I mean, there's a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. If you're watching any of the prophets now, they're talking about, we are being set up for a moment 
of great revival in America. I believe that with all my heart. I really do. Been saying that for 20 years, since 99. There's going to be a major outbreak in this year. I think we're going to feel it in this decade, definitely, 2020 to, to 2030. We're being set up. It's being activated. We're going to be a part of it. And so I want to encourage you right now, this is a time to get some things straight in our life. So when you're plucked out to do what God's called you to do in greater ways, the foundation will bear up with every wind and every wave that comes because you built upon the rock. And so, Lord, right now, we offer our communication to you, Lord Jesus. I ask for the anointing oil to come upon couples that may be struggling in their marriages right now because of all the pressures on the outside. I speak, Lord, for the ability to speak as the Lord would speak, with mercy, with patience, with an extension of, of abilities to explore areas of thought without getting agitated. I pray, Lord, even in our businesses, our churches, I pray in this church, Lord, there would be the communal, that this church would be known, part of what it would be known for is that they love one another. Behold how they love one another. And together we are stronger in the name of Jesus. I pray right now across this room, some of, us, some of us need major healing from how we were raised, the environment we were raised in that gave us constructs that are not working for us as adults. And I just speak right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, break down those constructs and bring in a fresh construct of speaking the truth in love. Lord, let love just pour out upon us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Jay, come on up. So good. You know, it's a good day to meet Jesus. Yes. How many remember that day when you first met him? See a show hand. What it felt like, that shift that happened, that when you meet him, it's sort of like there's no going back. You're never going to be the same ever again. And there's a sense of possibility in the air. There's a sense of change coming that you know, hinging on this decision to follow Jesus is changing the path of your, of your life and your kids and your grandkids. It's a generational shift. And you're standing in this room today. And if you do not know Jesus, or if your heart has drifted far from him, Spirit of God's here in this room and online. You have a moment that you can give your life to Jesus. So all over this room, would you mind just closing your eyes, turning your face towards heaven? This isn't about just kind of membership into some club. This is something so much better, so much bigger, and so much deeper than that. This is about... Jesus getting what he paid for. Every drop of his blood, every lash that he suffered was paying a price that would make a path for people to be able to approach the Father. When the, before the foundations of the earth, when, when God was hovering over the waters and framing the universe, he planned in mind. He knew that we would never be able to be good enough, and he planned for that, and he, and he arranged your life. He arranged your life to be able to hear this message that every person that you've met in every chapter and every page of your story turning led you to this moment, this place, right here, right now, where the Spirit of God is knocking on the door of your heart and inviting you into a new life. 
So if that's you and everyone who is already saved, I know we have a lot of saved people here today. If you would just agree in prayer with me to pray for boldness and courage and for, for spiritual eyes to be opened and hearts to be awakened to see what they're saying yes to. That this isn't about moving someone in emotion for a moment, but leading them into a place that will transform their destiny for the rest of forever. If you'd like to give your heart to Jesus this morning, without another word, just put your hand up in the air. I can tell you from experience, it is the best thing I've ever done. I think anyone who knows Jesus feels that way. Yeah. And if you're at home in your kitchen, you can do it too. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you that your blood and your cross has not lost any of its power that what you did is still miraculously able to break off strongholds, to break off wrong ways of thinking, to set minds and hearts free. So this morning, we invite you into our heart. If you're praying this for the first time, just say, Jesus, come into my heart. I believe that Jesus died. I know you died on the cross and were resurrected so that I could come to you and have a relationship with you. And right now, I surrender my life. Oh, I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Thank you, Jesus, that we can remember that moment when we surrendered and that it still has the power. Some of you are going back to pews. You're going back to, I don't know, a a concert. You're going back to sitting at home with a friend. That moment when Jesus came into your heart, we honor that Holy Spirit. Thank you for that. This morning, Pastor Steve gave us a word, did he not? Did he not give us a word? (laughs) I love truth. I love the way it tastes and the effects. And this morning, I just felt there was two specific groups of people that I wanted to briefly pray for, if that's okay. I'd like to invite our ministry teams. If you're here to start to get set up, you can come down to the front. Our ministry teams, we do wear masks and we practice social distancing. So we're going to pray in a way that we won't, we won't grab you. We never would, but you know. <laughs> but um, as they're getting set up, Pastor Steve said something pretty profound today. I mean, there was so much, but this really stood out to me um, about building up walls, walls made up of our own words that create isolation and separation. And I think that's something that a lot of us can relate to right now in this culture that we're living in right now where things are always changing and there seems to be a lot of isolation happening, some for good reason, some for not. And I just wanted to encourage you that God has the first word and he has the last word over your life today. And so you may have built walls up around yourself that have isolated you and made you feel alone and maybe cut you off from people who care about you. But I'm here to tell you today, one word from the Lord and every one of those bricks, every one of those words, dust to dust. I want to pray for those of you who feel isolated and then also just to pray for those who feel like your life has been torn down by the words of others. 
you have a hard time walking in confidence. You have a hard time seeing yourself as, as God has said you are because of the words of maybe a parent or a leader or a friend, but those words sting. And even now, as I'm saying it, you're remembering some things that were said to you that have shaped who you are or shaped your dreams. I want to pray for both those groups. If any of that resonated with you, I don't need a hand raised, but would you put your hand over your heart? I want to pray for you. This is real. I'm not just praying like well wishes, blessings to you. When we pray, we believe that the Spirit of God transforms, that the power of God comes in, and you're going to be different walking out of these doors. Jesus, in your mighty name, thank you that your word has lost none of its potency and lost none of its power. And God, thank you that our very existence, the world, our life, our soul, our family, our friends, is all from your breath that you breathe into us, God. You spoke the world into existence. You spoke our lives into existence. He imagined every aspect of your personality and your being, and he wove it together, and he called it beautiful. And this morning, in Jesus' name, God, I pray that every word curse spoken by somebody else that has made someone feel small or less or powerless, God, I just pray that that word would be sponged away in your mercy, sponged away in the blood of Jesus, and that up from the ashes of those walls that are crumbling right now would come a powerful person who identifies who they are and who God says that they are and that they're stepping out of this room not the same anymore that they're not going to live based on somebody else's definition of who they are or what they can do but we're aligning our hearts and our lives this morning right here right now with the truth that God is who he says he is and that his word defines our being so we align God break off every word curse every hurt every pain every wall of isolation until all is fallen to the ground and we see the face of Jesus and we hear the affirmation of the Father saying, you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like some prophetic ministry, our teams are at the ready. They, each one of these people I know, they are incredible. They have an incredible wealth of the Spirit and, and the knowledge and how to deliver prophetic words. If you need encouragement or a word from the Lord, these are your people. Be blessed, Bethel Cleveland. Pray you'd hear the voice of God more powerfully than ever before, and that this week would be the greatest week of your life. In Jesus' name, amen.